The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey, it's Pastor Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You know, sometimes in life we become a little aimless. We lose our focus on what we're supposed to do. I want you to think back to your childhood. Think back to your most favorite fairy tale or most favorite children's book or children's movie. On today's show, we're going to consider that maybe God was speaking to you through that children's story, through that fable, through that movie. And maybe we can recapture our focus by looking at what God was saying to us in the beginning. We're talking about that on today's Fairly Spiritual Show. Thanks for listening to the show. This is the Fairly Spiritual Show, and I'm your Fairly Spiritual host, Doug Bursch, my pastor as well. So I put that title in front of my name, Pastor Doug Bursch. Most importantly, I just want to serve you as I share thoughts about the Lord and life. Uh, If you'd like to text the show, you can do that by texting this number. You can also leave a message on our answering machine. No, we don't have an answering machine, but you can tell how old I am by saying those words. Uh, Here's the number you can text, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. And it's not official unless we say it three times, 360-818-4513. You can also go to our website, fairlyspiritual.org, and find past podcasts, past radio shows. We broadcast twice a week, uh, sometimes once a week. But on Fridays, we are on the radio, and then on Wednesdays, it's exclusively a podcast. All our shows eventually are broadcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud. So I'd love it if you could subscribe to iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're listening on the radio, we'd love for you to contact us and let us know that that's how you listen to this show. We want to know if it's worthwhile to be broadcasting on this station. So text us. It helps us understand where we should spend our energy, where we should put our broadcasting. So 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. So on today's show, I want to talk about a concept. Um, I've, I've done this in classes that I've taught. I've taken students through this, and I've found this to be pretty powerful. The concept is this, that God has been speaking to you from birth. And, and I think we all believe that, Right that God is always speaking, God is always moving, God is always reaching out to us. And I believe that God has been speaking to us not just through pastors, and not just through podcasts, and I hope it's not just through podcasts, we're in trouble, and not just through radio, or not just through Christian radio, but God has been speaking to you and speaking to me from the beginning. There are many ways that he has spoken to us, and there are many ways that he has spoken to us, not just in general ways about his existence or in general ways about our need for salvation, but specifically about who we are and how he made us. And I've uh, taught different college classes, and not just college classes, other classes where I've had people look at their childhood, look at some of the things they loved as children, and had them process 
Why did they love these things so much? And what did it say about God? And what does it say about their own giftings and their own calling in life? And so I'm going to do a little bit of that on today's show. I'm going to have you examine some of the things that were very important to you when you were just a little kid. And I'm going to have you consider this, that maybe those things were important to you as a little kid because they answered a yearning in your heart, or they partnered with a gifting that God had already placed in your heart, that God was speaking to you through a children's story, through a nursery rhyme, through a fable, through a children's book, through a movie. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you some questions. So, so you're going to have to work with me. This is going to be participatory today. So wherever you're listening right now, you're gonna. if this is going to be a, at all of help to anyone, I'm going to need you to participate with me as I ask you these questions. First, I'd like you to think about this. Um, what is, what when you were a kid, if you can think back to this, uh, what was one of your favorite children's stories? What was one of your favorite fables? So think about just kind of the classic fables. You might have dealt with these in preschool or in kindergarten when you're young, but the, the first stories, whether they're Mother Goose, uh, whether Aesop's fables, those sort of classical fables or stories. Think about one that you particularly really liked, and, and you can expand it beyond that, but a story that really resonated with you. Just think of one that pops into your mind. Uh, if you're at home listening, you might want to write this down, or you might even want to go through this exercise later and spend some time and just write down this. So think about a fable that's stuck with you. I'm, I'm trying not to give you any illustrations because the moment I start giving you fables, you might be, oh yeah, that's the one I think about, so I'm not going to give you one. Also do this. Think about just children's books in general, a children's book that you loved that you went back to time and time again, that you had your mom and your dad read, that now when you look at it, it's almost, it's almost obsessive. In fact, uh, I don't know if you've ever found this, but there's books that you loved and you brought them to your kids and your kids didn't love them nearly as much and you're kind of disappointed because for you, it was just really an amazing book and you loved it so much and you brought it to your kids and they're like, hey, you know, that's okay, I guess, dad. But for you, it was really important. So think about a book that you really, it just resonated with you. Just one children's book. Think about maybe a movie. And of course, depending upon how old we are and what generation we're in, these movies might be different, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to be a kid's movie. But think about a movie when your earliest memory of a movie just really impacting you. Something that, man, when you saw that, it just, your eyes opened up and you, you thought about it and you wanted to see it again. And now in my generation, we we couldn't own a movie or we couldn't, you know, you know, we just had to, maybe it would come out on television and it would air at a certain time. And we had, boy, do I sound old, right? And we, we had to find a way to wait for it to be on TV. But think about a movie that you saw that just captured your imagination and just, you know, it brought you in and like nothing else had ever done. Write down some of those thoughts. Now, I'm going to give you an example for me of one story that just resonated with me, and it's The Emperor's New Clothes. I remember in, I think it was maybe like second grade, we all had to pick a story that just resonated with us, uh, one that we wanted to 
we were supposed to pick the story, and I didn't know what we were supposed to do next, but first just pick the story, then we had to write something about it, and then we had to make a costume for it. I didn't realize we had to make a costume for it first, so I don't know if I would have picked it. But I picked The Emperor's New Clothes, and The Emperor's New Clothes is a classic story where there's this incredibly vain king, this incredibly vain emperor, and uh, his vanity is basically used against him, where two swindlers come in and they say, uh, we have this fabric that is incredibly fine, and it, it's so fine that only people with the most refined taste can truly appreciate it or even see it. And we are going to make you the most amazing garment from this most refined uh, uh, fabric for the most refined individual, you know, and it's going to be for you, a great emperor. Now, of course, it's nothing. They have nothing. There's there's an invisible thread because there is no thread, right? And so they make this elaborate fabric, and everybody can tell that there's nothing there, but no one wants to admit that they're not refined, and no one wants to admit that they're not important, and no one wants to admit that they're not just as important as the emperor, and the emperor certainly doesn't want to admit that he is not the most important person in the kingdom. So the swindlers use this vanity, this pride, this narcissism, I didn't know narcissism as a second grader, but they don't want to use admit to this. And so they make this elaborate garment, which of course is nothing, and they place it on the emperor. And of course, the humor for a second grader, there's two levels to this. I don't know if I had this grand level at the time, but basically you have a naked emperor. And so the naked emperor has no clothes. The king with no clothes, another title they've used for this. He uh, puts on the garment and no one wants to admit to the fact that he's completely naked. And again, that's just hilarious for a kid to think about a completely naked emperor. And no one wants to say that he's naked. Some even imagine that they see clothes on him because no one wants to admit to the reality that the king has no clothes. The king has no authority. That The king is just a fool. And so the king uh, decides to have this a great royal procession where he goes through the village and people are to see his beautiful new clothes. He goes through the village and no one wants to admit that they too are not refined and that they too don't have good taste. So everyone praises the emperor for his new clothes and for how refined he is and for how great he is as he strolls through town buck naked, right? And that image was just so powerful for me as a kid, right? And then there's one little kid, I think it's a little boy, uh, who sees clearly that the emperor has no clothes. And the boy just says it. The emperor has no clothes. Now, depending upon the stories, some stories people hush the kid and say, quiet, and the kid looks like a fool. In other stories, they tell it this way, where others recognize as well, and they begin to laugh at the king. But I don't really remember which story I heard. All I remember is I thought of the power that little boy had, that he spoke truth in the middle of a room where everyone had believed a lie. And that story stuck with me. I'm going to tell you why after the break. All right. Today's show, we're talking about how things like nursery rhymes might actually influence our calling today. And we're going to get to that. If you like shows like this and you think this is kind of an interesting thing to have on Christian radio, could you please support us? Go to fairlyspiritual.org and your gift will keep us on the air. Also, I'd love it if you text us 360-818-4513, 360 818 That's 360-818-4513. And uh, please pick up a copy of my book, The Community of God, 
a theology of the church from a reluctant pastor. It'll show why you need to be in community, Christian community, in church, even when you don't want to be hurt by people. Even if you've been hurt by people, it's written from that perspective, from someone who doesn't like to be hurt by people and understands the struggle. So please pick up the book. Okay, uh, so I mentioned before the break here, and if you just joined us, I'm talking about how the things that we gravitated to when we were kids, they actually might be stories that God was speaking to us that relay who God is in us, that relay our giftings, and relay our calling. And when I was a very young man, just uh, you know, first grade, second grade, I remember even kindergarten, loving the story, The Emperor's New Clothes. And I asked people at the beginning of the show to write down nursery rhymes or fables or stories that you liked when you were young. And one of my favorite ones was The Emperor's New Clothes. And the whole idea is that these swindlers basically convince an emperor that they have this beautiful fabric that only the most refined people can see, and it's no fabric at all. It's nothing. And so the emperor basically is naked, and he's pretending that he has a fabric on, and he has no fabric on, but he doesn't want to admit to the fact that he doesn't see the fabric, and he goes on this parade, and everyone doesn't want to admit to the fact that the king is naked, that the king has no authority. Everyone is basically buying into the lie. But there's one little boy who speaks truth. And I I just remember loving that story. Now, when I look at this now as an adult, I believe God was speaking to me. I believe God was speaking to my calling. That part of my calling is to speak truth in the middle of chaos. That in the middle of a room, that even if everyone else is championing a lie, that I'm supposed to speak truth. And even if I feel like I'm the only one who sees it differently, and even if I passionately am like, can't anyone else see that this king, that this ruler is naked, that this ruler has no authority, I'm still going to speak truth. And even if the majority of the people in the room or the majority of the Christians in the room have followed this leader, this king, even if they've elected this king, I'm still going to speak the truth and say, this ruler's naked. He has no authority. This is foolish. The king has no clothes. And even if everyone tries to hush you and everyone calls you a fool, that's what I'm going to do. That's part of my calling. And so I'd like you to think about this as well, that every one of you, I believe, has a calling. And right now, some of you, you wrote down some things that there were stories that, that resonated with your heart as a young kid. And I think they resonated with your heart for a reason, that God might have been answering a need in you. Like, I had a need to be comforted, too, where there were times where I felt like I was the only one in the room who saw things a certain way. And God came to me and said, that's okay. That sometimes truth is like that. Sometimes you have it right while the rest of the room has it wrong. And sometimes you're young and foolish and not respected and You don't have the authority and the fame and the power, but it doesn't matter. You still speak truth. You still open your mouth and you say the truth. So think about what you wrote down. What what stories impacted your life when you were a kid? And think about the main theme of those stories. Is that main theme supposed to be a motivating force of your life? Are you living out that main theme right now? Or have you suppressed that main theme? 
I'll, I'll give you another one for me. I loved the story of Johnny Appleseed as a kid. Uh, the story of Johnny Appleseed is a pretty simple one, and I don't know. I have the Disney version. I don't know if there's other versions. Um, but basically, just this guy who plants apple seeds or apple trees all over the U.S. He scatters seeds, and trees grow that produce apples all over uh, the U.S. And I even had this little record, and uh, the record was one of those, you know, it was with a, a book where whenever it would ding, you know, ding, and you'd turn the, the page, and man, do I feel old when I'm doing this, right? But anyway, you'd turn the page, and you'd read the story. And part of the story, too, is it had the song, uh, The Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and rain and the apple seed. The Lord is good to me. For some reason, that story just burned in my heart. Well, now, when I write that down and I look at it, I think that reveals another gifting of my life, that there is an evangelistic gifting in me. There is a desire in me to scatter seed wherever I can go. If you've listened to the show on a regular basis, I, I've, I've been on the radio. I was on another station for five years where I did 1,200 shows. I'm doing this show here and podcast. If you listen to any of my shows... I don't ever talk about my local church, the church that I pastor, or hardly ever talk about it. And I never talk about it in terms of come to our church and have our church grow. I'm not doing this so I can grow my ministry and my church. I'm not doing this so the Evergreen Church can be some great church and we can say, oh, look how great we are. I am doing this purely and solely for the larger expression of the kingdom of God. To, it's an evangelistic thing. It's there is in this there is zero like oh so we can survive and do our thing. It is so I can take seed and I can cast it wherever I can cast it. It's the evangelistic side, and we structured our church that way, where I co-pastor with another pastor, Pastor Dan Barons, and I preach on Sundays, and my wife and Pastor Dan and I we pastor Evergreen Church, and then I go out and I do ministry. That doesn't benefit Evergreen Church. It benefits the kingdom of God, which benefits Evergreen Church. But I, the church pays me and helps me do stuff so that I can do these podcasts and I can do these radio shows and I can write things and I can uh, preach things and I can teach things and I can visit people and I can minister to pastors and leaders and teachers and people all over the world with zero benefit to our local church. I don't do it for money. I don't do it for fame. I just do it basically as a Johnny Appleseed ministry. And it, it's just amazing to me that as a little boy, before I really knew much or anything of my Christian calling, I loved that story of this man who would take seed and he would cast it and apple trees grew all over the United States. Can you think of stories that resonated with your heart when you were a kid? Are there books, children book, children's books, that resonated with your heart? What was the central theme of those stories? What were the central themes of those books? I think about one of the first movies that really affected me, 
And it was way before it was popular in our culture. And it was way before I was an adult. Is the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And as a very young kid, I loved the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And I loved the central character, George Bailey. And I loved the fact, it resonated with me that he did things that were not valued. He wasn't able to pursue the dreams he wanted to pursue. He wasn't able to travel the world. He wasn't able to, to leave the things that were boring to him or difficult to him or frustrating to him. He couldn't pursue these heart's desires. Instead, he just had to be faithful to this community that he had been called to. And that he really didn't recognize the importance of his life until he saw what it would be like if he hadn't existed. And he realized that that's the reality of life, that you really don't know the impact of your life until you're gone. And that resonated with my heart, and I believe God was speaking to me from the beginning with that. To tell me that, Doug, you can't pursue things where you get fame and fortune and accolades. You have to pursue a life where you may never see what you want to see. You may never know the impact of your life, and, and, and you need to find a way to find peace in that. Think about some of the movies as a kid that resonated with your heart. I believe the Lord has been speaking to you from when you were a little kid. The books, the fairy tales, the movies that resonated with your heart. One of the first scriptures that greatly impacted my life was when the Apostle Paul writes about God being strong in our weakness. It's from 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, he said, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the first scripture that really grabbed my heart as I was in middle school. And I believe that was God speaking to me about the calling of my life, that I could rejoice in weakness, that I could trust that where I'm weak, God will be strong, that my strength would never be in the size of my church or the size of the radio audience or how many people respond to anything I do or how many books I sell, but that my strength would be in my weakness, that people would see God, that they would listen not because of my power or my fame, but they'd listen because they hear God. Think about your life. Think about the first scriptures that got a hold of your heart. Maybe that's part of your calling. Maybe that's part of where you should spend your best effort, your best focus. What are the first scriptures that got a hold of your heart? What are the first stories that got a hold of your heart? What were the first movies that got a hold of your heart? Maybe God has been speaking to you from the beginning. Maybe he was comforting you, but not just comforting you, Maybe he was showing you giftings. Maybe he was showing you your calling. Spend some time this week and just look at these things. 
And maybe as you look at these things, it'll help you focus your next step. What should you give your best energy to? For me, I want to give my best energy to that Johnny Appleseed, spreading the seed, advancing things, evangelistic faith. I want to give my best energy to proclaiming that the king has no clothes. And I'm going to speak truth even when everybody else believes a lie. And I'm going to trust this, that God is strong when I'm weak. God will always be strong when I'm weak, so I don't have to worry about being weak. I don't have to pray away weakness. I can just move forward in faith believing that when I'm weak, he is strong. What is God saying to you? Listen, he is speaking. He knows you. He's been leading you and speaking to you from the very beginning. Follow him today. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to today's show. If you'd like to text me, here's the number, 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Please subscribe to The Fairly Spiritual Show. You can do that through iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. Find more information and also donate to keep the show on the air. And you can also pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. That's The Community of God. Now make room for the Lord. He's speaking, he's leading, he knows you, and he's for you. I'll see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.